0: All times are Easter. Hello, bastards and wenches, and welcome to our third and final Anime Boss in 2023 interview podcast special. I am your KingBaby.Gavin Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. Before we begin, all credit for this interview goes to 42Believer. She's the one who wanted to do this interview most, so I had her take charge, and I think she did a great job. Today's special features actor Dante Bosco, best known for his role as Prince Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender and Rufio in Hook. He has also played Bat in the live-action Fist of the North Star and Dolph in But I'm a Cheerleader. Behind the mic, Bosco has played the titular American dragon Jake Long, Scorpion in Ultimate Spider-Man and Tuck in Generation Rex. B3 was joined by Enchanting Sorcery Productions and Anime Herald for this interview. So without further ado, let's give thanks to the Fire Nation for this Anime Boston 2023 interview podcast special with Dante Bosco.
1: Okay, so I been dying to ask you this question. Um, do you have any stories from, but I'm a cheerleader. Uh,
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, I love the movie. I love being a part of the film. And I love, like, our generation. Like, we were like... We were like the cool kids, you know, like the cool Hollywood kids of our day. I don't know, You were young Hollywood at the time. And so, Natasha Lyonne and Claire Duvall and Kid Pardue and uh, Natasha's boyfriend, Eddie, was always on the set with us just at night. And uh, just my memories of it was very fun. We shot outside of L.A. in a little town called Palmdale, um, which is probably like an hour and a half or two hours out of L.A. And uh, well, the, you know, it, it was very cool to just be an ally to the whole LGBTQ scene. And RuPaul in the film being our camp counselor, and Kathy Mariani and Eddie Sibrio. I mean, like all these names like in my in my head. And I see everybody throughout the years um, and remain friends with some of them. And uh, for me, the, one of the crazy stories was kissing a guy for the first time. Crazy. <laughs> like, we were like, first of all I remember when they offered me the role um, I was I was like why Why do they want me to do this movie I'm like the director called me up Jamie Babbitt it was her first film who now she's gone on to do several things including now she directs and is the executive producer of uh, Murders in the Building which is awesome and um, so she hit me up and she was like I want you to do this movie and I was like okay well she was like you have to kiss a guy and I'm like like, I'm an actor, like, it's so all, I mean, I don't sweat that, but, like, why wouldn't you hire, like, why are you, you know, why aren't you going to hire, like, a a gay guy, you know, this is a gay part. But she said, well, really, the the, the essence of the characters uh, is the boy next door. And she's like, "Dante, you, you're, like, you're the boy next door. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I have to, and then I understand what she meant, because, like, there is something about me that's very the boy next door, and she was able to look past, like, just my race and everything, and just be like, you are like that's your energy, like that's who you are, and that's who Dolph is. And I was like, oh, so fascinating, because in the script it read like Kip Pardue would play it, because it originally was written as like six foot blonde, like quarterback of the football team. And then she's like, no, we do want to get Dante, and Dante could be the wrestler. And I was like, so it was hilarious. So I was like, okay. And then me and Kip had to kiss, and we're both straight, and so we're like, how oh, we can do this? We we end up getting an actress on the set. and we keep the names private, but we were like, "You want to rehearse with us?" She was like, "Yeah." And then we, you know, all very, you know, up. Or we we're like, "Okay, we're rehearsing. Like, how are we gonna if We're doing the scene." And we're like, well, it's all. This is the night. Was it nineties, two thousand? it was a long time ago. Yeah. And they were like, "We're like, well, Kim will kiss you, and then I'll study. I'll watch." And and we're like in our trailers it's so hilarious and it's like man I'll kiss you and a kid will watch <laughs> and we'll just do that a few times uh, it would feel a lot like spin the bottle but uh, then, because well, we we wanted to like save the first kiss for like the camera which I remember and then it was our time to do our first kissing scene and like it looked like the whole everybody was there like the, all the cast members that are in the scene are just like we want to see Dante and <laughs> kid kiss <laughs> And uh, I always tell, like, you know, guys, like, look, you guys, if you guys, if you have not kissed a guy, there's things that you, which I had not kissed a guy, and there's things that you have to look out for. First of all, it's um, the stubble. (laughs) Stubble is real. And it's really kind of sandpapery. And now you got two sandpaper situations going on, and then it gets very. Our faces, we pulled out, we're all both red. And I'm like, man, this is insane. And then the other thing is, like, Kip was very, you know, he's a bigger guy. He was like trying to manhandle me. And I was like, Kip, man, I don't know, I can only really imagine what you're doing to women. Can we finesse this a little bit? I want to. Maybe some people want to be manhandled. I'm a finesse guy. <laughs> so can we. <laughs> it was hilarious, yeah but um, but it was just great and then, after doing the movie, it was my first time going to Sundance Film Festival, which of course is one of the biggest film festivals in the world and it was that was really early Sundance time, so really being a part of the ind- independent film community early in the game and just being with all those folks during that time was really a really special time and I think in like indie film thank you thank you.
1: Hi, i hello Aaron Spencer from ESV Enchanting Sorcery Productions. Hi. Hi. Um, with, we talk a lot about slice-of-life anime, obviously at the Anime Con, but uh, what was the most rewarding uh, rewarding aspect to you about bringing a slice-of-life show like Four Filipino Brothers to a big uh, medium like Hulu?
2: Ah, oh, it was so good. I mean, with the, with the, uh, with the film, with well, the fabulous Filipino Brothers, my directorial debut, and it does star me and my brothers, the four of us, and uh, really exciting for me to to bring that film out to the world. It premiered at South by Southwest Film Festival uh, a year ago, and um, you know I've been in this industry a long time, like I've been in 37 years now, which is you know I'm what you call a lifer, like a. <laughs> We just, this is what we do. Like me, but me and all my brothers, we all grew up in the industry together. We've all studied together in conservatory for over 20 years. And they've had wonderful careers in their own right. And I was like kind of the one who got the most famous or whatnot, or was fortunate to get the roles that really, you know, impacted. And uh, it was my honor to kind of tell these stories that are all based on stories within our family. And and really kind of represent for the Asian community worldwide we're in this really amazing time where Asian stories and uh, movies and books are like Asians in Hollywood are the highest profile they've been in Hollywood since the beginning of Hollywood and it's really great to see things like of course Everything Everywhere All At Once win the Oscar, Parasite win the Oscar Squid Games being like the number one show on Netflix for so many weeks in a row and to be able to Add to the momentum of what's going on and broad the scope of what Asians are in the world. but really getting to represent for my particular part of the Asian market, which is the Filipinos. It was really important for me to have the Filipinos in the ti- Filipino in the title and really for uh, for me to kind of like put it down for just my, my my community one time and also for my family. Uh, it was a while It's been a wild adventure and it's opened up a lot of uh, doors for me as far as writing and making new films in the future including a a sequel to that film but other things I in the last 10 years and now I guess I've been producing films and exclusively asian originally I thought of it as asian american content but ultimately you know we're living in this time where uh there's no more borders it's just we're all sharing in each other's stories and enjoying the stories and language breakdowns doesn't like we all americans finally come up to the rest of the world where they we can read subtitles now and not think too much about it <laughs> the rest of the world have been reading its subtitles in american films forever so uh it's just very exciting to be a part of the community that's continu- you know sharing our stories and getting it out there and it's a big win for the filipino community last year to have two films come out uh joe coy's easter sunday and my fabulous filipino brother's uh, be a part of the, the marketplace and in the world. It's it's really I, I don't even know if there's something I would I don't know if I even really imagined this you know, five, ten years ago. So it's really exciting. No,
1: that's awesome. We watched all the trailers and we uh, read a lot about it before the con, but we thought it was a mini series, but now that we know it's a, a full film, yeah. watch
2: party on a server.
1: It's awesome. a full film,
2: yeah, go check it out on Hulu It's uh, that's on our
1: attempt the last couple weeks. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Question anyone's got questions?
1: Um so going to a completely different medium. What was it what was it like playing competitive?
2: playing competitive monopoly on YouTube? Amazing. <laughs> great adventure. I mean that was with Rooster Teeth and shout out to Rooster Teeth, a great, great, great company out there. We I love going to Austin and doing uh new media stuff with them. Uh both for just the gaming side with Achievement Hunters and then when they do things like this, like hard hardcore hard tabletop games. First of all, playing Monopoly for real money is crazy. I've only done that one time and I'm always fantasized about doing it again and I wish I had played Monopoly before I played because I had not played in years. And I have played it a lot since. So I'm kind of ready to go back and, and uh, do this right. But I forgot about all the uh, side, all the side agreements. But it, it, Monopoly changes when you're really giving people real cash for rent and asking for rent, like, hey, you know? Because we all started the buy-in was $1,500, so we started $1,500. It's ridiculous. But uh, I have a few friends in LA. Who are like, I'd be down to play. I'm like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna start an underground <laughs> Monopoly ring here. Uh, but it was, it's cool. The thing about it is, I, I've been a student of the whole new media game. I had a deal with Maker Studios, which was the original, uh, MCN with the channel network years ago that was created by these first ten YouTube channels that got together, uh, called the, they called themselves The Station. The station became Maker Studios. Maker Studios kind of impacted and create, you know, inspired all these other MCNs to start kind of being created like Rooster Teeth and so we were all in this generation of uh of the first i guess the first gen of of new media and at that time i was coming over from traditional media so i was working with a lot of big youtubers a lot of cats that are on uh you know big snapchat kids and biners at the time and so that game i work originally is a kind of a part of the era where we were all at the beginning of new media and the importance of what new media has now become social media. And I really, you know, even to this day we tackle with the ideas of what it is. As for like for the artist side, I have a lot of conversations with the artist side of like, well, how am I supposed to look at my social media and how do, I, how do I approach it? And then also on the production side, as far as studios and brands and how do they tackle it as opposed to, you know, do they? To handle like it's television or film, and, and, and we come to find out it's uh it's a whole different medium. And some people are able to kind of cross over and work on both sides, and some aren't. And you know, there's a lot of different variables. Why or why why not? I just happen to be. I don't know. I'm a weird kind of thing where, like, I have a I have an on-screen career, I have a voiceover career, I have. Um, I have a whole other career that's new media that is just a bunch of you know all my social media and and the revenue that brings in and kind of juggling with all that stuff but uh, I know playing Monopoly is a highlight I think what we find out (laughs) in new media is it's, it's not films it's not television it's something different I think for a lot a lot of times we thought it was the same thing but it's not it's different it's a different but it's another form of entertainment it's almost like television and radio, right, it's just a new, the next, it's our new radio, our new television or something like that, and what happens in this new media is not necessarily narrative, I mean, a lot of things could happen, but it's this authentic experience that people have with you in real time, and I think playing Monopoly for real money is like one of those things that is very nostalgic to Monopoly and it's something we all know very well but playing for real money is a very authentic experience because we all know money and we all know how you know what it feels to have cash and then to be able to play that game with cash like really playing with cash (laughs) like someone's really going to walk away with all this money. And when you land on Broadway, you're going to have to give them a large chunk of your money. It's just, I think it just rang true with uh, audiences as far as, it's, just, it's so fun. It just had that correct formula of what people really liked, and I can't wait to play it again. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I actually watched that entire thing as it was airing. Oh, awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thank
2: you.
0: To introduce ourselves, we are from the Boston Bash Brigade, I'm Evan. This is Sarah, and this is Derek. Okay. Nice um, so, one question we'd like to ask um, actors is a little f- variation of three album island, but we call it three character island. Okay. And the question is, if you find yourself stuck in a deserted island, which three characters that you have portrayed in the past would you like to have with you to help keep you sane until your imminent rescue, and why? On an island? Yeah.
2: I mean, you, I. I mean, Jake Long would be pretty good <laughs> because he's a dragon, <laughs> <laughs> and he can fly around and make sure we're safe, and we wouldn't have to worry about fire. I mean, Zuko too would be like, like we, you know, when you're on an island, I think you need fire, yeah. right? So jake and or zuko would be good to have they can we can cook stuff um uh, we're on an island i mean rufio because cool. rufio lives in neverland he ain't scared nothing he probably knows about this island you know yeah. for he probably has homies <laughs> on this island <laughs> uh and i mean there's so many different let me think of that, some other characters that might be fun to, to hang out with on a deserted island I mean, although see the problem with Zuko and Rufio is they'd be, they'd bum you out because they're kind of downers sometimes. They're very they're very lost in their own woes. Jake would be fun. You'd have a, a good time with Jake. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other characters that I would like to kind of hang out with. I've played a lot of criminals. I don't want to out with any of those guys. <laughs> right. They're in jail. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of my on screen things. I mean, Dolph could be fun. Dolph was a pretty, like, nice guy, nice hearted guy. It's these, a lot of times with actors, we're, a lot of them are very close to me. So it's kind of just hanging out with different aspects of myself, you know? So i will hang out with whoever. I, I can spend some time alone. <laughs> thank you. Thank,
0: thank you.
1: I'm sure you have a lot of folks coming up to you and saying how uh, iconic your role in was as Rufio, and it's a, sort of a starting point for a lot, of, a lot of folks. Do you see that, do you look back on that role and on that film as uh, passionately as some of the fans do that come up to you and talk to you, or do you see it more like a springboard that opened the door for a wider career that enabled you to be able to do this for the rest of your life?
2: Yeah, I think both. You know, I, I was 15 when I played the role, and it was a big deal. I started acting when I was 10, and I knew, I knew the importance of all, all the everybody I was working with. I mean, I was just the kind of actor that the school I grew up in, we were trained and we uh, studied all the films. So working on that film, you know, walking with gods of our industry, from Steven Spielberg at, you know, probably the height of his powers. To, to Dustin Hoffman who's, you know, on the, he's on the Mount Rushmore of 70s character actors that changed Hollywood along with Pacino, De Niro, Nicholson, you know. Uh, but not only them. I mean, I mean of course, the late great Rob Williams who ended up himself as his own, he's, he's, he's a unicorn in the industry and I would show up on my days off to watch these guys work. Uh, So I was very much aware, but then I knew Bob Hoskins and the amazing Maggie Smith, and there's so many people that came through the set that were just like, every day it was like some amazing actor coming to visit or try to do a cameo or, you know, it's like, it was really wonderful. So my memory of of that time is very magical and um, really was an entree to kind of opening up Hollywood in a way that had not been opened up to me at the time. and. Uh, and it's great that people are passionate about it. It's really—I mean—the I further away I get from the character, as far as age-wise and years, the more I just uh, kind of appreciate that, you know. I was might be Michael B. Jordan did a, a, a screening of films that he picked out um, in the theaters. He wanted to share for—I uh, forget what was the event, but it was different, different. Um, Things he was just saying, films he loved, but also uh, people of color that he that he respected in film that kind of inspired him through the years. And one of the films was *Hook*, because of *Rufio*, which I really love, and I, and I know Mike of it. And uh, when I spoke about it, when I when we took when we when I introduced the film, it was like the magic of this film is, for me personally, it's like I'm this Filipino kid from the Bay Area, like a little brown boy, right, and through this. Magic of storytelling. It's like Steven Spielberg put me, put this kid in a fairy tale that's forever canon in the world of Peter Pan for Rufio. Like what? Like this story's been around longer than anyone on earth is... I mean, it was here before any of us got here. Right. Anyone. It was here before anyone on earth has been here. It has been here and it's going to be here long after any of us are here now and, and forevermore, like there's a little brown lost boy that tried to, you know, become the new Peter Pan. And it's amazing that you infiltrate this, 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 this fairy tale. And so, yeah, I, I understand the specials of it. And I've, of course I've gone on to do other things I look forward to doing it even more, but it's a, a special thing to kind of have. It's a special character to have on, uh, in my history.
1: Wow! Thank yes.
0: you. 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 Yeah. I was just wondering, with the announcements or the rumored upcoming feature length Avatar stuff, do you think you'll be returning for any of the movies?
2: I don't know. I mean, honestly, there's all these like rumors swirling. There's like people announcing all kinds of stuff, but as far as I know at the moment, we we it's up in the air. We don't know yet. Uh, I'm doing currently. I'm doing Brave the Elements for Nickelodeon, the podcast, going through the whole, all the shows, and I think we're probably going to go through uh, all the books and comics, and really kind of uh, reporting on Avatar: Verse, as it were. Me and Janet Varney, the voice of Korra, uh, and we talk to Mike and Brian all the time. I know they're they're working hard on the whole future of the studio, and I'm really excited to see what they come up with. Of course, you know, I'd love to come back to do Zuko if if the if it's the right situation. Um, but you know, the world's changed, things are happening, there's a lot of things, you know, there's so many variables in how, who knows what the, the, the gang is gonna look like as they continue forward, or if it's gonna be different stories of different things, but I would hope to uh, pop up again. You know, I popped up in Korra playing my grandson. I would hope I'd pop up again somewhere in the Avatar verse to be really amazing. And, uh, and there's other stuff. I mean, the live action stuff, which is a, a different thing, but I still, I still root for it because we're, you know, we're team. I'm, I'm team Avatar for life, so I, I, everything that comes out, I root for. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, this is why I usually ask, unless there's uh, It's why I ask all actors, um, if you could erase every memory of having played a character... And go through that process of discovering them for the first time, no, no memory of it, just just playing them again and getting to have that process. Which character would you choose?
2: Oh no, it's so hard because it's like it's, as I'm going through like the the the, the even like Avatar now, right? I'm going through this. There's so much I don't remember. Like it's like the the thing about most of us is like 30, like it's 37 years, and um, one of the keys of being an actor. In the industry, is a a short memory, very short memory. You can't you can't dwell too long on the things that you didn't get. You can't even dwell too long on the things that you did get because you're only hot. It's only hot before it comes out. Once it comes out, you gotta. We're always on the next thing. So in all honesty, like my memory of some of these things are like they're like you. They're so far gone and. but you you know, you get to have new memories later on. It's like our as an actor, when actors act, the audience they experience a character and they experience it when they watch it and, and it impacts them the way it impacts them, it impacts the world the way it impacts it, and that's the way it's supposed to be. But for the filmmakers, the the the, the impact for the for us is the doingness of the project. It's like the acting of the character, the telling the story it's like when I look at Hook and that's that was me. That was I was 15, 15, 16, it's like everything that happened that year on the set, everything that happened in life during that time, I can still see it in the in me in the movie. You know, when I watch it, same thing with After It happened over these years of people that, like, you know, watching, they did and grow up, watching Jack DeSantis grow up. It's like these are... The experiences is, is so much entangled with your life and all the things that's going on in your life, the good and the bad of it, so... It's hard to go back. It's some of these things that you've done, and you. I look back now, and I and I, I marvel at it now, and I'm having a new experience of it now, and enjoying it in a different way now, as a because now I can be the audience and not the storyteller. So, and I go, well, I don't know if I could I do that again. I don't know. I don't even know. It's like these some of these things. You know, you're just. Uh, I I marvel at. They're perfect in their own thing, and there's. There's new films and stuff to get ready for anyway that we, you know, hopefully something new will impact the world again like some of these
1: other ones.